family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Happy Monday, y'all. Which is way easier to say at 5 p.m. local than when you get up in the morning. I get it. In fact, I'm trying to be one of those happy Monday dudes, but deep down inside, I'm fighting myself every step of the way. Like, I used to think that happy Monday was cheese. Now I realize that happy dude is actually a skill. Jesse Rubinoff, digital producer. Are you one of those happy dudes? Because oftentimes you strike me as one of those dudes. Yeah, I mean, I still deal with what everybody deals with on Monday. I think no matter what your job is, how much you love your job, doesn't matter. You no. still, you're on somebody else's clock, right? That's the thing. You're no longer just... But that was just the same at school, no? Monday sucked at school, too? Yeah, again, because you're not doing something that you so are choosing to do. I believe that happy guy slash girl is a skill. Oh, yeah, for sure. Shout it out. You, yeah, you have to learn... How to be yeah. writer, happy, not you specifically. <laughs> not you specifically. Got, no, no, I, I love how you got serious there yeah. for a second, probably realizing that you may have been insulting me. But no, it's, <laughs> I, I, I've already no, no, insulted no, no, no. myself. No. I'm working on being happy guy or girl. I used you in the incorrect. <laughs> Don't laugh, Sebby. Yeah. yeah, everybody, you That's metaphorically. Why I'm purple. It's for <laughs> just trying to brighten the day up a little bit here. Uh, <sighs> all right, we know most Mondays aren't happy. But we're going to try our best to flip the script on this Monday. Solid two hours of edutainment coming your way. At least two hours on Sportsnet 360 as per usual. 90 minutes on Sportsnet as we will hand you off to the return of hometown hockey on the network. More horns, yes indeed. After a one-season hiatus, Ron and Tara are back on a new night. And you know what? Happy Monday indeed. There you go. Monday is now hometown hockey night. That makes it Happy Monday. Maybe we should reschedule it to 8 in the morning. we got to get you a bigger desk. How many oh, times this, oh, have this. you just dropped? Like, your tiny desk is getting a little ridiculous now. You drop the notes, like, three times. Every day I, hear you, doing, I hear you doing this. There's a lot of papers here. What do you want? With the note. we got to get you a bigger desk. It's a tiny desk, right? Maybe an extension would help. <laughs> Savvy, he doesn't want to say it. You say it for happy guy doesn't want to say it. It's a tiny desk. It's a tiny desk. It's I'm tiny not. Desk. No, I'm not going to sit here and just be a diva all of a sudden. I'm, I'm gonna, not doing that. I'm going to no try. Way. I'm going to try my best to get you, you a bigger desk. You Look at the fine. size of my desk. I'm perfectly And fine. all the papers on my desk. There's a lot of empty space. There's a lot of empty space. <laughs> and over and there. look at the size of your desk. I might over start there. putting papers over there and then walking over to get them. Like, here are my first things first <laughs> yeah, notes. I'm going to put them there. You should. And then I'll walk back you over. use up the rest of yeah. the desk. <laughs> all right, let's get back to hometown hockey. Opening week, the crew is in Air North Dumfries, Ontario. Shout out to our old colleague Andy Beckler and the entire squad in Air. Ron McLean, Tara Sloan. Not only back, but they will join us right here on the Tim and Fred Show to get you set for the debut of Hometown Hockey featuring the return of Austin Matthews as the Leafs host the Rangers. Matthews back in the lineup for Toronto. Face-off coming at just after 7 p.m. Eastern. Also, the return of fans in Calgary. Flames home opener on the network. Sportsnet Flames. Sportsnet Now is where you can find that. And if you haven't already signed up, for Sportsnet Now, Google it, bookmark it, do whatever you need to do. It's free to many Rogers customers and simply how you do sports. 
2021. The Tim and Friends archive always available there. So if you ever miss our show, just head to Sportsnet now and watch it back. Like today, say the kids got to go to sports or dance or whatever the heck they're doing. Maybe you got to go out and catch, you know, a flick or something. You can watch our interview with Mark Shapiro live on your phone or later on your laptop, device, or TV, all with Sportsnet now. That's right. Mark Shapiro is going to join us in about 20 minutes' time. Also dropping by Kevin Weeks to set up the night along with Ron and Tara. Former NFL MVP Rich Gannon on week six in the National Football League, which concludes with the Buffalo Bills in Nashville to take on the Titans. Bills looking to keep pace with the Ravens atop the AFC and keep Jesse and I on a heater. That's right, kids. Digital producer Jesse Rubinoff has the Bills at minus five and a half to move to six and two on the season. You tell me to be quiet. Feel, no, no, no. Do you feel that air that I'm cooling you with from across the room? I'm a, I'm a little bit warm. You're too hot, man. yeah. Your boy Uncle Timmy had another two and oh week with the Raiders, and thankfully the boys pulling it out in New England. Uh, Jesse might be referring to the fact that I'm ten and two on the season. Not bad. Against the spread, Jesse and I are now. A combined and awfully tidy 15 and 4 against the spread heading into the Monday nighter. Now, Kevin Mickey, who sat in for Jesse, are, are we allowed to just leave him out in his 1 and 3 record over the two weeks that you were gone? Sure, but he's going to get his redemption next week. I'm not here next week. Well, you're not. What, what are you doing? Are you getting married too? Might be a thing. <laughs> Might be a thing. Kevin's going to get his redemption story. We're just, they're falling a dime a dozen here. Uh, yeah. Producer Thomas Dobby last week. And then, are you going on honeymoon right after? No, or no? No. no, no, no plans yet. No are, plans. Are you waiting yet. for the Still world in a to pandemic, open up? So we're, we're yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're waiting for things to calm down a little bit. Still. All right. So we'll we'll this week we still get picks from you, or are you done? No, this this week we're getting picks. Okay. This week we're getting. But now yeah. there's pressure. Like now, well, fifteen and four is no joke. Let's see how you do tonight. Yeah. Could be a sixteen and four. But for those wondering, we unveil the picks each and every Friday. Get them while they're hot, kids, and before the line moves, right here on Tim and Friends. Speaking of getting them while they're hot. Let's start the top stories of the day with first things first as Jesse takes the reins. First things first. Uh, that is a good point about the lines moving because we got the Bills at minus five and a half and going into tonight, it's now six. Yeah, the same thing with uh, the Cowboys on Friday it was minus three and by most books uh, count it was minus three and a half yeah, and that could have come into play uh, rather large. So you're right. Uh, Tuning in on Friday and getting the numbers on Friday, they will switch over the weekend, usually. Maybe a, a half a point or a point here or there. Uh, we were talking about the desk earlier. Ninja Cat writes in and says, Jesse's desk is basically a shoebox. <laughs> if we're talking about like a Shaquille O'Neal type yeah. shoe, then that's possible. Yeah, it's a little bit bigger than a shoebox. So we're going to give credit, Ninja. It's not that small. It's, it's not pretty, that small. It's pretty small. It's a little small. Okay, uh, let's move on with first things first because uh, the MLB playoffs been amazing so far. A bit of a surprise to some in the NLCS. The Atlanta Braves winning a thriller last night, 5-4 over the Dodgers. to jump out to a 2-0 series lead with the series heading back to L.A. And in the NLCS tonight, it's the Red Sox and Astros tied 1-1 in their series after Boston hit not one, but two grand slams in Saturday's victory. Which yeah. series is more compelling to you, Tim? Uh, the two walk-offs I will take over the I'm not sure who I want to win series right. because they're both cheater facers and got away with it after cheater facing 
Um, it's funny because I have a beef with every team that's left in this Final Four. Like, the Dodgers just spend a bleep load of money. The Braves, who I probably should like, had 88 wins in the regular season, and somehow they're sitting and waiting for the winner of the grudge match, the battle royale that was the 107-win Giants against the 106-win Dodgers just because of the way they set this thing up. Like, I should cheer for Atlanta, but I... I I have a little... Do you have a problem with 88 win? Jays had 91 wins on the year. Do you have a problem with 88 win Atlanta sitting and waiting for the Giants or Dodgers to use all of their pitchers like five times over in a five-game five series? Yes, but if they beat the Dodgers, then I think they've earned it. No, but the Dodgers have been beat up by the Giants. The Dodgers had to use their three pitchers repeatedly just to get through the 107-win Giants. Like, I know what you're saying, but they there is definitely some hangover in this 2-0 lead for the Braves. Scherzer did say after a start yesterday that he had dead arm. Yeah. So, <laughs> obviously, that save situation loomed large in Scherzer's start. He wasn't as good well, the as the two days rest into the save situation yeah. and now into game two of a of an NLCS. Without yeah. a doubt, the Atlanta Braves have benefited from the fact that that series was so close and that they had to use so many different arms just to get past the San Francisco Giants. And then if you go to the ALCS, you uh, just got people who cheated and never were held accountable. Yeah. I wouldn't mind, if they were held accountable, I would have no beef with anyone. Yeah, I mean, the ALCS is like, it, you, you you touched on it, like, both cheaters. Like, let's go to the NLCS where at least the Dodgers now, you're in a situation where they did the same thing last year. They were down 2 nothing. the Braves, the yeah. NLCS. Can they do it again? Can this team who spends a boatload of money do it one more time and get back to the World Series? That, to me, is a little bit more compelling than the Red Sox and Astros for those reasons. You know what else was compelling last night? And I often talk about how fine the line is, but the game of inches yesterday between the Braves and the Dodgers was unbelievable. I mean, you just go from the eighth inning on, there were four different instances where the game of inches came into play. And shout out Ron Washington, who might have been the MVP for the very aggressive Sens as the third base coach of Atlanta. But it was Eddie Rosario first, then Ozzie Albies was basically beat to the plate. Trey Turner hit a ball that literally goes out in Every other park but this one for the lead. And then again, uh, if you notice the uh, back up the middle, Kenley Jansen had a shot at it. And then, see, I mean, obviously it was, I think, 105 miles an hour off of the Rosario, bat yeah. of Eddie Rosario, who came through with the game-winning hit. But, I mean, all those were like a, fra like a, like a Tim McAuliffe hair which is very, very small <laughs> and almost see-through. Uh, but <laughs> it was that close on all those plays. So it was just like, it was a reminder of how tight these games and how every little pitch matters. But shout out Ron Washington because I didn't Amazing. think either of those sends were good and they both worked out. Did you see the, the picture of Rosario's slide? Unbelievable slide, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable, just outstretched. Um, 84% are teams when they take a 2-0 lead in the best-of-seven series. They've won 73 okay, of 87 times, but I know this exact situation <laughs> happened last year. So, so if it happens two times in a row. Like, like, what does that say about the Braves if they lose again? Like, do you think it's in – obviously it's in their head in some respect, but are they going to grip the bats a little bit tighter in game three knowing that this is, did just happen to them? Yeah, I think, I think the – 
the Dodgers, the health of the Dodgers' arms will determine whether or not this can get done. And I think last year they had a little bit more health. Yeah. And when it oftentimes, remember we had the stat, um, teams that win the third game of a best of five series tied at one. So two teams tied at one. Mm-hmm. Team that wins a third game in a best of five only wins 54% of the time. That's because 46% of the time you might have a better pitcher than the other right. team. And as we've said a bunch of times, momentum in baseball can be the next day's starter. Uh, this time around, I don't know if the Dodgers can pull this off with basically three starters. They're beat up after that Giants series. A good point by you. Okay, let's go to the uh, NFL, where week six wraps up tonight with those minus five and a half Buffalo Bills against the Titans. But it was Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals rolling into Cleveland yesterday, dominating the Browns 37 to 14 and doing so without head coach Cliff Kingsbury. They improved to 6-0 on the year. The only undefeated team left is Murray, the MVP, and are the Cards Super Bowl favorites right now, right now. I, I want to say yes because it makes me more right when I said that I thought that the Cardinals would overperform in a very tough division. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say Lamar Jackson is my MVP right now. And I don't know that Vegas agrees with me on Lamar Jackson. It's absurd, the odds right now for Lamar Jackson. What can we get him at He's right now? He's like 14 to 1. Lamar Murray is three and a half to one Josh Allen's four and a half to one Kyler and Murray, that yeah. seems ridiculous to me when you consider what Lamar Jackson's done for the Ravens. Well, listen, one. listen the team's been decimated like I think uh, camera person Sebastian Moran is second on the depth chart at running back right now uh, that Lamar Jackson 10, now, yeah. 10 to one uh, that's pretty good value because they're five and one and have been absolutely decimated by injury uh, they completely tore apart a good Chargers team yesterday and it was funny because I think we get caught in especially in the NFL and recency bias right like Josh Allen beats the Kansas City Chiefs and he is your MVP um, Lamar Jackson didn't put up great numbers against the Chargers but they smashed him and they tried to take certain things away from Lamar and they still got it done if you look at his numbers from his 2019 MVP year they're actually a lot better this year. Like, the rushing numbers are pretty much the same, but when you look at the passing numbers, the completion percentage is up. Look at the yards per game. Like, from 208 yeah. to 281 a game. He, I remember when Randall Cunningham was on the front of Sports Illustrated, and producer Jay Sands, who's an Eagles fan, will know this because it said <laughs> ultimate weapon on the front of Sports Illustrated. I think that Patrick Mahomes is the ultimate weapon, and Lamar Jackson might be turning into a more dynamic playmaker than Patrick Mahomes. Because you know when he runs, he's the best running back in the league. Bar none. He's the best running back in the league. And if he's going to throw it for 300 a game, how the bleep do you stop that? Right now, that's why Lamar Jackson is my MVP. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with you, and it's hard to believe that number is still at 10 to 1 when you consider everything. Even yesterday, like yesterday and the week before, he had 500 of his team's 523 yards. I mean, that number is a ridiculous number, in my opinion. Uh, I'm looking tonight, when I talk about MVPs, I'm excited to see what the Bills are going to do tonight, not just because we bet on them, but also because Josh Allen has been something special so far, especially the last three weeks. So I'm excited to see them. And as for Kyler Murray, the Cardinals were... They, six and three at one point last year, right? And they yep. finished eight and eight. So I, I get that this is a different year, but 
Also, maybe pump the brakes a little bit because they do have a history of coming back down to earth a little bit with Kyler at the helm. I will say this. They got better wins than the Bills. Like everyone says, oh, they beat KC. What happened before that? Miami, yeah. Houston, and Washington? That's just not the wins on Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson's right now. And you don't give an MVP after six weeks. That's why you don't give. But the wins are better under Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson than they are under Josh Allen, with all due respect to what they did to Casey. No doubt. Much more NFL coming up. Rich Gannon, uh, we will speak to him about what he thinks, potentially, about who the MVP we will. so far is this season. Okay, to basketball. And a shout-out to the Chicago Sky, who won their first WNBA championship last night, beating the Phoenix Mercury three games to one in their best-of-five series, and doing so in front of a sold-out Home court, you can see they're going crazy right there. Yeah. An emotional night for Candace Parker, who cements herself as one of the greatest ever in the sport, while Kayla Cooper was named Finals MVP. Does this feel like a tipping point for the league and the sport, Tim? I don't think anything is a tipping point. I think they're all slow builds, but this was another great step in a small... When I first saw the scheduling of this game up against the Bears and Packers, at home in Chicago. I'm like, why would they ever do that? Why would they put this game up against a game so big in the Chicagoland area? And lo and behold, they still sold it out. And lo and behold, it was a Chicagoland hero that got the job done. Naperville, Illinois is where Candace Parker is from. And now she picks up not only her second WNBA title, but she does it in her hometown, two Olympic golds, two NCAA titles. Uh, there is, without a doubt, one of the greatest players in the history of the game. And Candace Parker to do it at home was very, very cool. Kalia Copper, by the way, um, you can't get a Chicago Sky jersey right now online on anywhere. Fanatics. What do you mean? It is not available. Not available. WNBA sells them online. Well, I, I'm just saying that places that I have checked. Right. They are sold out of Chicago Sky. And what does that say to you? Oh, I see what you're saying. About yeah, the sold WNBA. Out. I thought you said they weren't available. I was like, what? No. No, they've sold out. They are sold out. Yeah. And that says something about the state of this league right now. And you, you look at Candace Parker. She was a phenom in high school, like you talked about. Like, this is what you want to see from this league. You want to see the icons of, of the sport that we have known about for years and years, which mm. Candace Parker is a household name. Like she transcends sport. Like she, she is a household name. So to see her thrive on that stage was amazing last night, and it's great for the WNBA. I mean, and the crowd was awesome too last they night. They even got their own super fan, uh, Chance the Rapper, who's getting yeah. apparently a Chicago Sky tattoo. <laughs> yeah, he was there taking it, and he seemed like he was enjoying himself. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, okay, we go to hockey, and a couple of games on the network tonight: the Maple Leafs, winners on Saturday against. The Sens will be welcoming Austin Matthews back to the lineup. You can watch that on Sportsnet, our Rogers hometown hockey pregame, getting started at 6.30 Eastern time. And the Flames are back in action after losing 5-2 to the Oilers on Saturday. You can watch the Flames and Ducks on Sportsnet now and Sportsnet Flames beginning at 7.30 Mountain Rasmus Anderson in some hot water after a headbutt on Kyler Yamamoto. Do you think Anderson should have been suspended, Tim? It depends on whether or not. First off, pick on someone your own size. Yeah. Uh, secondly, was it a headbutt or did he just kind of lead with his head? If you're asking me, I say he led with his head. It obviously looked bad from the original camera angle, but it, it looked like a scrum where he went up high on a guy that's a lot smaller than him, and, and it looked worse than it actually was. Yeah, that was savvy. Headbutt or not? If it's a headbutt, you're suspended. If you're just pushing and kind of lowering your head because you think you're going to get punched, that's a different story. 
But like I think I think next time these two play each other, there may They're be gonna some, have something to say about that. Yeah, there might be someone else who wants to tangle with Mr. Anderson. Do you think he should have gotten more than a 5K fine? Yeah, if it's a, I don't know if it's a headbutt. If it's a headbutt, then I give him a game or two. But if we're arguing over it, then I don't think it's all that bad. No, but I will say it's going to be awesome to watch another game between the Calgary Flames right, and the Edmonton right. Oilers. And that's, just prob- that's probably it. he should be suspended because if we think that there's going to be retribution, then he probably should be suspended. Yeah, no that's doubt. probably our answer. No doubt. Uh, okay, we're going to have many, much more coming up uh, when it comes to hockey on the show. But a look back on the weekend, uh, a look ahead to this week. But, Tim, uh, we did want to take some time on the show today to talk about Jimmy Hayes because yeah. – uh, we do think it's very important. The former NHLer suddenly died in August, with many in the hockey community shocked by the news. Of course, Hayes' toxicology report was sent to his family on Friday, and yesterday they went public with the news, telling the Boston Globe their son had cocaine and fentanyl in his system when he died. The family saying that they came public with the news in hopes that telling his story can help prevent another death from drugs. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm really glad they did, because it's brave as hell. It certainly isn't easy. But I can honestly say, like, I did some stupid things in my life. I never did cocaine, and I'll tell you why I didn't. Because I heard the Len Bias story, Mm -hmm. and it scared me away from touching the stuff. And Len, just like Kevin Hayes, uh, excuse me, um, Jimmy Hayes, um, was tragically taken way too soon. Now, Renaud Lavoie came on here, and he talked about cocaine use in the NHL. And this is a reminder not only to the players and users across the land, but also to our elected officials. Like, we keep reading stories about overdoses, the opioid crisis, and addictions, but at this point, way too many of us know somebody who we lost to fentanyl. And it's more than just dealing drugs. Like, at this point, we're dealing death. Thomas Drance of The Athletic and Sportsnet 650 tweeted a graphic of what it's doing in B.C., And it's just a microcosm of what's happening across North America. And it's death per 100,000. Fentanyl is simply poisoning people to death. And too much of society is passing it off like, oh, it's just the addicts, as if that were okay. But it goes way beyond the perceived fences. It's much more than any of the painted pictures that we're seeing in the media right now. Dealers are mixing it with heroin, cocaine, meth, MDMA, and if you don't know it, it will kill you. Like, flat out, people are being poisoned to death, and we need to do more to help those using and punish those peddling this to the full extent of the law, because right now, it's a joke. And hopefully, this Jimmy Hayes story not only will get people the help that they need, but shines a light on this deadly epidemic. All right, I've said my piece. Uh, Let's move on. Time now for a break. Ron McLean, Tara Sloan will join us from Air Ontario, site of uh, tonight's season premiere of Hockey, Rogers Hometown Hockey Plus. More Hockey Talk, Kevin Weeks. We'll break down week six with the NFL MVP, Rich Gannon. And up next, I talk to Jays president, Mark Shapiro. Tim and friends on a Monday. Let's get it done, kids. 2-2 game, bottom of the ninth. Into the air to right, back at the wall, it's gone. Grand slam, JD Martinez. That is hit down the line, 
slam. Second of the game for the Red Sox, and they lead eight to nothing. Quick throw, and it's intercepted. He's got another one. Diggs is going to take it to the end zone. Unbelievable. Scrambles to his right. Pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon. I still love you. I still love you. It's a normal offseason. We're, we're able to have our players move there uh, and have 100 guys in January. So my hope is this, that's what you see in January, that you see 100, 120, 115 players. Still to come on this, Tim and Friends, Ron McClain, Tara Sloan, Kevin Weeks, former NFL MVP Rich Gannon, all on today's edition. But our first guest joins us following the most successful Toronto Blue Jays regular season since the year he joined the franchise in 2015. Team President CEO Mark Shapiro joins us now. Mark, welcome back to the show. Uh, is, is Cleo going to – we just saw Cleo when we went to break. Is Cleo anywhere around the building? He may or may not be very close, like <laughs> under the table I'm talking at right here. So he's just chilling I, at your feet? He is. Well, he's trying to get me to throw the ball to him because it, <laughs> at this point, his existence, ball and squirrels, are the only two things that matter to him, which, nice. makes, me good, which makes me very good company, friend. <laughs> <laughs> they never catch the squirrel, though. Never. He's, deter he's always convinced the next day is the day. I, you know, he, he models... He models perseverance for me every single day. Yeah, I wish I had that kind of uh, that kind of perseverance. That's awesome. We we had Ross Atkins on the show just over a week ago, and listen, I grilled him on the free agents in the season, and we'll Good. tweet that out for those who missed it. But I kind of wanted to look to the future with you a little bit. Is that cool? Yeah, whatever you want to talk about. Because I, and here's why: when you and Ross took over, there was a vision, and I listened to your guys' vision. And unlike a few of the fans, I actually allowed the transformation to take place and even asked for uh, this thing people call patience along. I'm not sure if patience still exists. What's that? Yeah, in 2021. <laughs> in but sports, I asked for it. It doesn't, doesn't exist in sports. <laughs> no, it doesn't exist all that much. I'm curious. Now that the trajectory, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, seems to be going in the right direction. Six seasons in, what do you see as the long-term priorities right now? Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> the long-term goal is sustainable championship success. So that's like every single year leaving spring training with the objective reason for us to be able to state and our, more importantly, our fans to be able to believe that we've got a chance to win the World Series. Um, most important now is that we maintain the relentless pursuit of talent, um, that we continue to build uh, opportunities for our existing players to maximize their potential mentally, physically, and fundamentally, and that we think about the hundreds of little things, Tim. So there's not a lot of big levers left to full, pull, but there are every single day. If you're focused on where the opportunity might lie, there are opportunities for us to get better. Um, those can be as little as things as like the food we feed our players, uh, certainly as big as the coaches and the technology that we give them to be successful. But, you know, I would just say it's, the, you know, that relentless pursuit to continue to bring talent in here at every level, you know, both uh, in the minor leagues and the major league level and the ability to help our existing players uh, perform to their maximum potential. Those two things with where we are right now will bring a world championship you know, back to Toronto and Canada at some point. 
the the first two I was uh, I was running up Young Street with a full head of hair, uh, so I remember them well. It's good times if you're able to do that. And when you said relentless pursuit of talent, it stuck because. I wonder if the last couple of years and all of the trials and tribulations that have gone on with the last couple of years, do you think that they've hurt the franchise in pursuing that talent to make Toronto home? That's interesting. No, I mean, I, I, th- I guess like it's going to determine, we'll be determined when we get into free agency this year to find out for sure. But I think if anything, um, the realization of our facility in Dunedin, recognizing what that means to where players train, uh, not just to prepare for the season, but also for the off season, uh, some of the upgrades we've made to the Rogers Center, but probably more than anything, uh, Vladdy, Bo, Teo, Lourdes, uh, Alec Manoa, you know, Ryu, players knowing what these guys are like, not just what they're capable of from a talent perspective, but the passion they have for playing the game, the commitment they have to being championship caliber teammates. I think most people know uh, it's a a very small community, as you know, uh, and and, uh, these guys know this is a great place to play as much because of them um, as anything else. And I think what will be reinforced when we're here for 81 games next year, it's the best city to play in, in the big leagues as well. I remember you had a big whiteboard in your office and Yahoo sports did a feature on you and, and we could read some of those things. And I know you're smiling because I think I've referenced this a couple of times to you before, but one of the things on, on the board said, uh, no, and I'll call them Richard heads. Um, no Richard heads. Do, do you yeah, think? Yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah. yeah. Do you I think? Still, I still believe that, man. Yeah. And do you think, like, a lot of people were talking about how much fun your team had. And when it went bad, people thought, oh, they're having too much fun. That home run jacket, got to get rid of it. But do you think that the no Richard heads is something that you guys have been able to pull off and maybe helped you through those last two years? It's, it's just a name, by the way, Dick. We can, it's just a name. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so listen. Um, Some great dicks in one, life. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. Richard, yeah, Rick, yeah. Richard, Dick, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, it, it, I think the one thing that sometimes people overlook um, from a fan perspective is that, and I think it's one of the beautiful things about baseball, is that unlike any sport, this is every single day. It's 162 days and 100 and whatever, 88 days. And by the way, they're together 40 days before that for spring training. And in addition to that, we're hoping to play three and a half weeks further than that. So not only are these guys playing those games together, but they're here eight hours on either side, you know, four hours on either side of those games, five hours. So they're together. They're traveling together. They're in hotels together. Um, it's every single day. Uh, and if they truly enjoy the guys they're with, not only is that beyond a neutral, you know, that just makes it enjoyable to come to work. So you can think about uh, as you're sitting there with all your friends, Tim and friends, I see on the set with you, you can think about, you know, how much you enjoy uh, much you enjoy work when you enjoy the people you work with. I love working with Ross. You know, we've known each other for a long time. I love working with Anouk and Marnie and, you know, the people that I get to come into work with every single day. Um, and that makes me enjoy my job even more. I would compete and do a good job anyway. But I think when you put players around a bunch of other players they like, so take away just the no Richard heads yeah. and say, not only do we not want to have anybody detracting, but we also just want to have great guys that care about each other, that want to win, 
uh, but want to make a statement about how they win and want to do it with players that they believe in, not just from a talent perspective, but also as people. And, uh, you know, to me, that, that that's the ultimate. And I think those are what you need to overcome playing in three different places and two minor league facilities. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you want to survive that, if we had had any of those guys in this clubhouse, in this environment, excuses would have been made complaints would have occurred and I can guarantee you we have not we would not have won 91 games so uh, this year was a you know the reality of that playing out uh, in maybe the greatest sense possible and that's why I, I appreciate Jesse Rubinoff so much who sat in for the Sid Sixero who has long departed uh, he's been a great teammate listen I, I know that Marcus Simeon said to Peter Gammons I, I read this quote it's very clear that Mark Shapiro wants us to be a great place for players how do you do that well, I mean, I, listen, when I think about the simplicity of what I, the things that I wake up to do every day or what people say, what's your why, I want this to be the best place to play and the best place to work. Now, off of making this the best place to play, there are, you know, thousands of little things that I can work on. One of those things are to think about our facility, having everything a player could possibly want to train, um, you know, to be comfortable, to be happy and, and have a positive culture and environment. Uh, another one of the who in the locker, who's in the locker next to them. You know, that's probably the biggest thing, you know, that that possible out there uh, but there are you know a thousand different little things that we can wake up and think about uh, to make this the best place to play again I think it gets back to the most important thing we can do is you know put other great players around them that are aligned to the goal to both win uh, but make a statement about how we win uh, but it's also just a bunch of different little things so if this is the best place to play and the best place to work they're going to enjoy coming here every single day they're going to recognize that we are only here to help them be the best they can be we're going to attract players. We're going to keep players, and they're going to play to the best of their ability. Do you think it'll work on Simeon? Uh, I think that there are a number of variables when a player hits free agency. I think we have a chance to defy some of the ones that are most important to him. But he's a guy with you know three young kids from the Bay Area, from Oakland, his wife from the same place. So, you know, we're going to be fighting geography. It's not a matter, I think I've, I've talked about this before, free agency is not just us making a decision or us having the money or resources. A player earns that right, um, and they they work hard to earn that right to be able to make a decision. And among the things they think about our geography, geography does not work in our favor. I think everything else that he's seen works in our favor. I remember sitting last offseason and talking with Sid Sixero and our jaws dropped when we saw the Fernando Tatis deal come across our table. Are, are you guys working on something long-term with Vladdy or Bo? The dialogue on that is, is you know, has been there in the past and it'll be there again. Um, I was, I've been asked that question recently and I kind of said, listen, we've got, you know, only so much bandwidth in our front office and the timing of the year kind of, you know, determines what we work on right now. We're working on developing an off season plan and then beginning to execute it. So that has to do more with free agency and trades than it does the extensions of our own players. Uh, but those are topics that we continue to think about the timing of those are usually later in the off season or in the spring training. And, but I would expect that, you know, we'll at least explore those things. All right. So you mentioned Dunedin and getting the project done, and I know how proud you are of that. Um, how badly do you want a new stadium in Toronto? I, when I think about the overarching opportunities that exist for this franchise, that's the single biggest one. 
um, for understandable reasons that the whole world had to deal with over the past few years. There's been a pause button put on exploring any large scale solutions, you know, to this stadium. But, you know, from my seat and hopefully uh, advocating for the Toronto Blue Jays with our ownership, you know, tackling that one is, is probably the single biggest opportunity that we have remaining, um, you know, for this franchise. However, in the interim, I just want to be clear on this. We still have to focus on little things, whether it was putting in a new sound system and new turf this past year. Next year, we're going to put in a brand new scoreboard and new lights, uh, which will make a difference both for our players and our fans. Uh, so we're going to keep thinking about little things to improve fan experience. We put in batting cages this year. I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch the video, but Marcus talked about them frequently that are probably the best, if not among the best batting cages in all of Major League Baseball. So I still think we need to think every year about ways to improve this facility as it exists right now. But in my long-term vision, uh, we certainly need to come up with a solution for this stadium that provides a more modern fan and player experience. Would that fan and player experience also bring in more revenues? Absolutely. So, like, it, could could it be could the case be made to I don't know my bosses up there that if you get a new stadium, <laughs> there's new revenues, and those revenues can start paying for some of these players that we're talking about here long-term. Yeah, so that case has been made. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you'll make it when you finish the show today, because I know that's, <laughs> that's a that's a, that's a yeah. regular dialogue for you. Yeah. But uh, you know that case has been made. They're well aware of that. It's more when you look at the pandemic and the impact it's had on on the world, you know, and on everybody's business. Right. Large scale projects like the magnitude of the one we're talking about are, are just they become secondary to just making sure you're doing the right thing for your people. You know, you're able to keep the doors open, uh, keep business running, and and you prioritize. And we, we all prior as leaders, we all have to prioritize, and that priority got put on hold. Right. Uh, last one for you, and it's got to do with Charlie Montoya, and I find this mystifying yeah. because uh, he's done such a great job in my mind uh, in bringing the kids, doing the things that you asked him, keeping uh, the team upbeat and, and uh, the kids developing. Those are two yeah. things that I looked at when you hired him and what you wanted him to do. And I thought he's done both of them. Yet the fan base seems to be sawed off. There are a lot of people that still want more from him. Have you heard the heat that he takes from the fan base? And, and what's your reaction to it? Uh, I mean, I listen, I don't spend a lot of time listening to critics. You know, to me, we need to perform. And I'm more focused about, you know, the people in the arena that are doing the fighting day to day. Um, you know, why Charlie, you know, took that suffering. I think the bullpen issues, you know, uh, were largely got focused on him more than necessarily the guys that built the bullpen, us, or, you know, the pitchers that didn't execute. But uh, when I think about Charlie, I think about consistency, you know, positive energy and attitude, years and years and decades of experience that, you know, he brings with credibility to our players and our clubhouse but and and the character you know that he has as a man so yeah. he'll keep getting better as a manager you know as a major league manager which is a different forum than than anything he's prepared for but uh you know we're all uh not that not that i've had any uh misunderstanding or scrutiny at times we're all misunderstood <laughs> and scrutinized at times and uh i think if you start to let that affect your self-esteem you know, you're probably in the wrong business. You got to have a thick skin. You know, that passion from the fan base, whether it's good or bad, is just part of the deal. 
So, you know, I, I, anytime indifference and apathy is the one thing we don't want, uh, we'll, welcome, we'll welcome and embrace the passion. And in the end, I think it'll be accolades and cheers for everybody. Is there any way that that good dog sat at your feet for the entire interview? He was there for about 75% of it. <laughs> and about, about five minutes ago, my son came and grabbed him and he's walking him back. That's awesome. Fun. Hey, listen, I, I, know that, uh, I know that we own the Blue Jays. The company here owns the Blue Jays, but there's a lot of people that you could do you, this with. You, right? No, not me. No. There's a lot of people that you could do this with. I appreciate that you do it with me every once in a while. Uh, and I never I always, take it for I, granted. Honestly, Enjoy and appreciate the dialogue, and uh, and you're you are a uh, you're someone who gets it and understands, and you know that that to me is a it's a pleasure to be with you. So welcome welcome the ch chance to get back with you later in the off season, Tim. All right, love it. Thank you very much, and appreciate okay. you lying to me. There is uh, Mark Shapiro, <laughs> the president and CEO of the Toronto yeah. Blue Jays. I know that we have uh, some breaking news because I was. Noticing that you were scrambling a little bit, and then I looked oh. down at my computer. Did you hear and... my papers again? It's the desk. <laughs> and I realized that we have some major breaking news from the NHL. Major breaking news. Yeah. The NHL is bringing the hammer down on Evander Kane, a 21-game suspension for an established violation of COVID-19 protocol. It is also, Tim, without pay. So a 21-game suspension. The wow. league also says its investigation into allegations of domestic abuse by Kane's ex-wife could not be substantiated. So it appears that investigation is closed. But Evander Kane, we heard a story not too long ago about him perhaps using a fake COVID-19 vaccination card, mm -hmm. and the NHL was looking into it. He's been suspended 21 games in this regular season. All right, there's obviously no precedent in a case like this, uh, so we will get some experts in to discuss this. Evander Kane suspended 21 games by the NHL. Time for a break. On the other side, we'll have much more on this developing story next, right here. Tim and friends, coast to coast to coast on Sportsnet. All right, some breaking news at the NHL. The league just announcing that the San Jose Sharks, Evander Kane, has been suspended 21 games without pay for what they are calling an established violation and a lack of compliance with the NHL, NHLPA COVID-19 protocol. The NHL also saying that its concurrent investigation into allegations of domestic abuse made against Kane by his estranged wife Deanna could not be substantiated. So I believe what they're attempting to do, Jesse, with those two pieces of information together is separate the two matters. This 21-game suspension yes. is for reportedly attempting to forge a COVID vaccination card and has nothing to do with the other investigations that are currently taking place with Evander Kane. And there's, there's a thing that I keep saying off the air that I'm going to say on the air right now. And that is that Evander Kane obviously needs some help. Mm -hmm. And he's obviously going through a really tough time. Each one of these investigations has come onto our plate here at Tim and Friends. And to varying degrees, uh, people want us to talk about them. And the one thing that I keep saying is I really hope Evander Kane gets some help because he's obviously in a very tough spot. And even when he sat down with Linda Cohn, all I could think about was, I don't know necessarily that he is 
I hope he's getting all the help that he needs. Mm -hmm. What he's trying to do is get back into the good graces of the NHL with this interview with Linda Cohn, but it's obvious there are several areas in which he's just struggling. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. There's many layers to this, uh, and I'm thinking, you know, he's been away from the Sharks for a while, and I'd just be interested when it comes to the contract situation as it pertains to the San Jose Sharks. Like, there have been a lot of issues now with Evander Kane. Like, at what point, just based on the letter of the law, like, can they do something about his contract, like whether it's voided or something, because there, it just seems like there's investigation after investigation when it comes to Evander Kane. And obviously, I don't have the NHL, NHLPA documents in front of me, so I don't know what constitutes a contract being voided. But you'd think at some point, like, the NHL and the Sharks have to take a look at, at this guy and look at his contract. Well, Jason wrote it and said, does that give the Sharks the green light to void his contract? And my yeah. answer to that would be, if you're suspending him 21 games, then you're not allowing anyone to void anyone's contract. That's why he's suspended 21 games. Now, the without pay is very interesting because when you get suspended in the NHL, you don't get paid. So this is part of the equation. And I don't think if they – I think the Sharks – I mean, they've gone to great extents to back yeah, their guy exactly. in the past. And this time around, obviously, it's getting a little bit too thick for even them to deal with. But I don't think that they can void the contract. We'll, uh, we'll try and reach out to Elliot Friedman. Good guy experts, yeah, yeah, experts in the area to see if that's a possibility moving down the road. Again, Evander Kane suspended 21 games. We'll go on the ice coming up. Austin Matthews has nine goals in his previous five-season debuts. What does he have in store tonight? He's playing against the Rangers. We'll get you set. Rogers Hometown Hockey. Brought it time. Next. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe. Friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdog's back here for another 30 minutes on Sportsnet. Were you playing air guitar or drums? That was there, drums. Jesse? That, that was, was periphery. Drums. I couldn't really that see was it. Drums. It was on beat, too. <laughs> 30 minutes on Sportsnet. Full hour on Sportsnet 360. Busy night on the network. Game three of the ALCS between the Astros and Red Sox goes tonight. Fenway Park. You can see it on Sportsnet beginning with MLB Central at 7.30 Eastern time. Excuse me, Sportsnet 1. 7.30 Eastern time. I'll keep this all clear in my head, I promise. <laughs> and it's a night of returns in the NHL. The fans return to the Saddle Dome for regular season game for the first time in 18 months as the Flames uh, have their home opener against the Ducks tonight. That's uh, Sportsnet Flames and Sportsnet now. Huh? Hey. Austin Matthews returns to the Leafs lineup against the Rangers in the return of Rogers hometown hockey. That's right, kids. Matthews will make his season debut after missing the first three games of the season, recovering from off-season wrist surgery. The reigning Rocket Richard Trophy winner will play in the Leafs' top line with Mitch Marner and Nick Ritchie, while John Tavares will skate on a line with Michael Bunting and William Nylander. Well, it just makes us a deeper team. That's the biggest thing that, of course, that I like. You know. Playing without he and he and Mikheyev, um, obviously it changes our group a lot. Um, but we thought our guys have done a good job in their absences. But having Austin back here today, everybody slots in a little bit different. We can't change anything with Austin coming back in. We know what he means to our team, and we know uh, we're a better team with his presence there. 
but the individuals and the groups and how we play and what we're asking our team to do doesn't change no matter who is in or out. I wish he wasn't coming back tonight, but, uh, you know, it's good to see him back in the league for sure, and there's no doubt. No, he's a great player. He's one of the top players in the game and uh, talented, skilled, and uh, hopefully he's a little rusty, but I don't expect that. He's, he, he, he causes lots of problems for every team, and, uh, you know, he's an unbelievable power play guy. He shoots the puck. He makes great plays. So he'll be a tough challenge with him in the lineup for sure. The honest Jerry Gallant there. Uh, as mentioned, the Flames host the Ducks in their home opener tonight. Viewers in the Calgary region can see the game on Sportsnet Flames, 7.30 local, 9.30 Eastern. It'll be joined in progress on Sportsnet West and Pacific following the Rangers and Leafs. Now, the Flames dropped their season over 5-2 in Edmonton on Saturday, and they're looking forward to finally getting back in front of their home fans tonight. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, yeah, like you said, it's been a while. Um, very excited to get get out there and play in front of our fans, and uh, it's going to be a special night. Uh, yeah, it'll be awesome. It's uh, it's been a while. It's been uh, what is it, a year and a half? So, um, hopefully, they're as excited as we are, and hopefully, it's a packed house that are uh, you know ready to get loud. We're excited to have them, and I'm sure they're excited to be back. The Canucks, meanwhile, announced today that Travis Hamonic has been placed on a temporary leave of absence. Now, he signed the two-year extension with the Canucks in July, but didn't report to training camp. GM ben, Jim Benning excuse me, has said that he has been dealing with a personal matter. In a statement today, team asked that Hamonic's privacy be respected and said they would not be making any further comments. All right, bad news for the Lightning. Uh, Nikita Kucherov out indefinitely after suffering what appeared to be a groin injury in Saturday's win over the Capitals. John Cooper said that Kucherov's injury is not a day-to-day -day thing. The 2019 Hart Trophy winner will undergo further testing to determine whether or not surgery is necessary or a trip to the LTIR. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Some breaking news out of the NHL coming down on the last half hour. The league suspended San Jose Sharks. Evander Kane, 21 games for violating the NHL and NHLPA COVID-19 protocol. His suspension is without pay. NHL also clearing Kane of allegations made by his estranged wife that included domestic abuse. Now, Kane, who's obviously going through a lot right now, released this statement moments ago. And I quote, I would like to apologize to my teammates, the San Jose Sharks organization, and all Sharks fans for violating the NHL's COVID protocols. I made a mistake, one I sincerely regret and take responsibility for. During my suspension, I will continue to participate in counseling to help me make better decisions in the future. When my suspension is over, I plan to return to the ice with great effort, determination, and love for the game of hockey. Uh, you'll have to ask how many opportunities Evander Kane will get and will get with the San Jose Sharks. All right. After being sidelined by the pandemic last season, Rogers hometown hockey is back and it's found a new home on Monday nights. Ron McLean and Tara Sloan will celebrate Canada's game going coast to coast for coast again, beginning tonight with the Rangers and Leafs from Air, Ontario in the township of North Dumfries. We'll talk to Ron and Laura in just a moment. But here's a small taste of what you can expect from Rogers Hometown Hockey. When I think back to being 20 years old, hearing that hockey was coming to air, I, I feel like I, I owe so much to the Air Centennials. Clifford cutting in front. He shoots. He scores! 
Butler, a backhand, scores! Pass back to Wells, takes the shot, score! Jay Wells! I think it shows children today that even though there's a lot of obstacles, you can still continue on and try to go over the obstacles and become whoever you want to be. Stop number one, they are back. And someone just whispered into my ear that I said Ron and Laura. There's no chance that after working with Tara Sloan as much as I did, I don't believe a word they're saying. Did I say Laura? You did, but what? that's okay. Listen, a, a lot of uh, people have called me a lot of things over the years, so Laura's not so bad. I like uh, a lot of Laura. I'm embarrassed. Uh, the, even the forehead is red at we're this like point. Five minutes from Elora, so <laughs> that's what it is. We're just down the road from Elora, so uh, I, don't I don't know what the hell. You know where we are, right? We're uh, 115 clicks from you. So we're close. Come on over after the show. Yeah, and, and I know I'll call her Tara when I see her. Uh, so what's it like to be back, guys? <laughs> You know, Ron and I rolled into the festival yesterday, and it felt like no time had passed. It's kind of surreal. I mean, you know, we still have everything that everybody's used to. We have tons of people. We've had 5,000 people come through on site, even though the whole thing is, is ticketed and, and timed and COVID safe. So it feels like it's supposed to feel. Our mobile studio feels like it's supposed to feel. But at the same time, of course, seeing everybody in masks, it's all, it's all a little bit surreal. But I think the big thing here is joy you know it, it brings joy to us and it certainly i think is bringing joy to the faces of the people in the community we'll talk a little tim about uh, why we are back in the kw area Tara's to blame for that but you'll have to watch the show for the details but just to have taylor trusslers a, a phenomenal young hockey player from here in air uh, she plays for the university of toronto now but she's won the esso cup with the brantford ice cats and she was a great cambridge player and just to see her come into the studio with this dream and uh, you have Kyle Clifford and Jay Wells, winners of the Stanley Cup from right here and you've got this amazing story of Buddy Marco will tell tonight about a, a, an early pioneer of Indigenous hockey heroes. So yeah, the storytelling as you know, it's, uh, it's just great to get back to shining a light, especially population 4,000. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's just amazing what's come out of here. Yeah, and, and the and the surrounding areas too. There's just a hockey hotbed up there without a doubt. So so not Laura, but Tara. What can people expect if they show up to the <laughs> festival on the weekend? Well, on the weekend, you know, I think our footprint is slightly bigger and it's slightly longer now, too, because we do have the full festival for the two days and then we have our broadcast on Monday. So we're just staying everywhere for longer now. But, it, you know, we have a few new additions. We have a, some very cool artwork on display from uh, mass designer David Arrigo. Paz the Hockey Circus Show is back. Uh, but again, I want to emphasize to people, everything is COVID safe. Everything is ticketed in time. So you have to go to the website, hometownhockey.com, to get a ticket to make sure you can gain entry. You have to be double vaccinated or under 12. You have to be accompanied by somebody who is. Um, but still lots of entertainment. We have alumni on site. I mean, it's, it is what it is supposed to be. And we really pray that for the duration of this hockey season, it remains that way. And free food. Everything's free <laughs> oh, yeah. Tim, when you come here. But uh, yesterday, Harvey's gave out almost uh, two and a half hours, 500 burgers. So just amazing, uh, you know, what a turnout we had. And as Tara said, everybody's safe, distancing, masked, double vaxxed, whatever is required of our safety protocols. But uh, it didn't change the energy one iota. And that was a, a real surprise, I think, to the two of us. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I will make that hour and a half trip down the, uh, down the 401. You said yeah. free food, Ron, free food <laughs> night. Uh, not a bad debut, though, guys, like Leafs, Rangers and Austin right. Matthews return. 
we feel really good about that. And we knew Monday nights were going to be a little bit uh, more spectacular for us uh, matchup-wise. So this is a goodie. You know, Tim, the uh, neat thing is a connection. There's three heroes from here. Jiggs McDonald. You know who Jiggs is? I'm yeah. sure you do. Broadcaster, 50 years play covering play. the NHL, Hall of Famer. So, yeah, Jiggs uh, used to sit on Watson Pond as downtown, and he would dream about the NHL as a broadcaster. He loved Foster Hewitt and Danny Gallivan. And when the LA Kings entered in 67, Jiggs applied and got the job. Jack, Jack Kent Cook was the owner, made him take the name Jiggs. He says, Ken McDonald, what could be more boring? <laughs> Ron McLean, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Laura Sloan. Laura Sloan. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Jiggs got the job. And then you fast-track forward, Jay Wells gets picked in the first round by the Los Angeles Kings, starts his NHL career, wins the Stanley Cup in New York, of course. Kyle Clifford starts his career with the Los Angeles Kings. So, like, this pipeline from North Dumfries to SoCal is just, uh, again, I just can't believe these things happen, uh, but that's what hockey does. Uh, Austin Matthews making his return. We're going to talk to Kevin Weeks a little bit more about Austin Matthews' oh, yeah. return, but he does have a little bit of a flair for the dramatic. Maybe we might get a little bit of that tonight. I mean, uh, he's done well on this show for us, so I think uh, I think we can expect we can expect big things. What remember you, the what you remember you, the Patrick oh, yeah. Kane <laughs> Kane and uh, oh, yeah. Matthews going back and forth on a Rogers hometown hockey is one of his uh, right. great early performances. And you know, again, I look at Austin Matthews as a guy who has worked at the game, like Taylor Trussler, the uh, female star we'll have on, works at it endlessly. And this same with Matthews, from mini sticks to working with the Courtnells to working at Boris Dorajenko's camp in Arizona. All those skills you're showing right now, Tim, are the direct result of, you know, the 10,000 hours. Matthews, uh, uh, Jason Spezza, when he joined Toronto, was stunned at how hard Matthews works. You see him as kind of the fun-loving, fashion-forward guy, but it's all, you know, I'm going to be a hockey player. Uh, he made it happen, uh, and that's, uh, you'll see it in the guests we have on the show here tonight uh, as well. It's the air work ethic. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, guys, we, we really appreciate you dropping in. Hopefully we can make this a regular thing as long as I can pronounce names properly once yes. they come on, okay? All right. <laughs> you got 25 stops to get to know you, Tara. Listen, call me something different every Monday. Yes. That would be fun. I, I knew you before they even hired, and I screwed them. We worked on a U Sports uh, Player of the Year together before, That's right. uh, before yeah. you were hired at Sportsnet, and I should know that more than anyone. It's probably just uh, my fat head is just pushing out information, and I can't process it at the right time. But I always appreciate the professionalism that you bring to our table. Thank you. Cheers, Tim. Lovely. <laughs> there, there is Ron and Tara from Air Ontario. It's Monday. Like you started no, the show talking about no the case No excuse. Just sometimes you you just you bleep up, and it happens. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I I flat out bleeped up. There is the list of stops on hometown hockey. Uh, at least the start. Uh, North Dumfries this weekend. Lindsay next weekend. Belleville, Ontario. Lovely Belleville, Quinty, Ontario, October 30th through November 2nd. Uh, Oro uh, Medante is on November 6th to 9th in the greater Sudbury. Going to big nickel country. Jesse, did you play? Did you play when you played for the Toronto Nats, Young Nats in the big nickel tournament? No, I don't think I did. Like no? in Sudbury, no. no I, there's I, a, I, I remember I, I wasn't good enough to play AAA when I was younger, but I remember uh, my brothers going to the big nickel tournament, and the big deal in Sudbury was as peewees, you were put on TV for the big nickel right. tournament. That was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I played in Lake Placid where they had the Olympics, the 19, I think, 32 and 1980. 
Did you go to the Quebec Pee Wee tournament? No. See, Neither no, no. I, 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 I was triple for a while, and then I went down to double yeah, a little okay, later. I see, like, I see. But I, see, now I don't want to talk about those years. I'd like to just harp on the fact that I played triple A once in my life. <laughs> <laughs> How many years did you play triple A? I wish we just leave that. Yeah, yeah, let's just go to. Break. How about this? More than I did. Okay, fine. Huh? Did you try out and get yeah, cut the, though? The Wex, is that... Wexford Raiders kept cutting me. Right. Repeatedly. Every year I would They're go for the Wexford Raiders. Squad. Yeah, good squad. And every year they would cut me. And they would cut me because I couldn't skate. And then we'd get to... Oh, so it was like a Happy Gilmore situation. Yeah, we'd get to the scrimmage and I'd score a bunch of goals. And they'd say, oh, it's too bad we already cut you. (laughs) (laughs) And every year they'd do the exact same. The reason why I say this is I'm guessing, and I'm not completely convinced, but my next guest played for the Wexford Raiders. Ooh, have to ask. Uh, From the the Borough of Scars, Kevin Weeks will join us. We'll keep the hockey top going as we... uh, Discuss the Evander Kane suspension, plus uh, are the Sens a playoff team? Anthony Stewart thinks so. I'm getting warmer on the subject. And should Rasmus Anderson be playing tonight? We'll discuss that all next with a Wexford graduate. Come on. Breaking news of the day, Evander Kane has been suspended by the NHL uh, 21 games. He read statements from uh, the league. We read a statement from Evander Kane, and now the Sharks have released a statement, and I will read it verbatim. Uh, The NHL has advised our organization that Evander Kane has been suspended without pay for 21 games for an established violation of and lack of compliance with the NHL, NHLPA COVID-19 protocols. We are, while we are encouraged by Evander's commitment to moving forward, we are extremely disappointed for his disregard for the health and safety protocols put in place by the NHL and NHLPA. We will not be commenting further on Evander's status prior to the conclusion of the NHL's mandated suspension. So they are pushing this down the road a wee bit. Uh, here to help us break some things down, we'll get into the on-the-ice stuff as well. ESPN NHL Network old friend Kevin Weeks joins us now. Weeksy, thanks for doing this with us. Thanks for having me, buddy. Anytime, man. Thanks so much. Uh, so what, what's your initial reaction to hearing the news today that Evander Kane was suspended 21 games? I mean, it's it's one of being disappointed, of course. Uh, you know, we all make mistakes. This is certainly a mistake on his part. There's no sugarcoating that. This is something that, uh, that he certainly shouldn't have done. And, uh, you know, none of us are perfect. We all know that. But this is one... That's a tough one for him and certainly a lapse in judgment for him. And regardless of where people, everybody has their right to their own personal decisions from a health standpoint, no question. I know that this vaccine has been a hotly debated topic for those that are vaccinated like myself and maybe others that aren't, some people that have health concerns, maybe they've had family members uh, or themselves that have pre-existing conditions or may have had health complications as a result uh, of being vaccinated in other areas. But nonetheless, this is, uh, this is just a lapse in judgment. It's inexcusable for Evander. Uh, I'm sure at this point he knows that more than anybody else. It's, it's embarrassing for him, no question. And I think when you, th- in speaking to so many different players around the league and different coaches and team general managers and owners and agents and, and medical professionals with teams and independently and some that have been hired by teams and, and the league, the, the, robust, the robust commitment rather to all the protocols that were in place were literally second to none. And let's keep in mind the fact that the league also had a couple of years ago, two simultaneous bubbles, the only league in the world of professional sports that was able to do that 
And that's a testament to the players, the NHLPA, the medical professionals, and everybody that was involved. So, um, you know, it's probably a 99.9% .9 participation rate in abiding by those protocols for the most part. This one was a lapse in judgment that's inexcusable. Evander's gone through a lot in the last little while, and, and not necessarily, Kevin, when just dealing with Evander, but I know that this has been uh, an, a, a subject that the NHL has worked really hard on. Is getting help, Kevin, easier now for players than it was, say, when you played in the league? Yeah, no question. I think in certain instances it's not completely, but it's overall it's less stigmatized. I think with whatever help you require, um, be it medical, be it psychological, mental assistance, be it emotional support, any of those resources around those things. I'll speak for me as a black player. You know, quite often I had my tightest circle of friends and other people that looked like me, some that didn't, that were in the game and in the business. And it was a lot of calling home to my mom and dad uh, to be able to speak to them and get their counsel during my playing days uh, when any thing of that nature rose its head. Uh, but I would say now that at least it's you have some more general managers in the league that are more open-minded, some more uh, team owners that are more open-minded. They see a lot of their own daughters, nephews, nieces, sons, grandkids that are going through themselves, really, um, spouses that are going through a lot of similar things. So it's less stigmatized than it was. I think I'm glad you asked the question, Tim, because ultimately, if uh, for Evander Kane, what I'd like to see for the young man is is to get whatever help he needs and whatever support resources that he needs to have him uh, number one heal like emotionally psychologically mentally so he's in the right place and that he can make the best decisions for him and his family members and his career going forward i think you know quite often in pro sports the uh the, the human side of things gets lost yeah. and and unfortunately you know everybody looks at points and all the metrics but most importantly it's somebody's daughter it's somebody's grandson uh, nephew son whatever the case may be granddaughter that's playing at elite level sports and there's a person inside of every uniform, regardless of the sport. And let's hope the person that is Evander Kane gets all the help he needs so he can be the best version of himself and, uh, and the best player because he's a really, really, really good power forward. He's a really good player. All right. Uh, I appreciate you walking that road with me, but let's get uh, onto the ice. Uh, where there's two teams uh, playing, uh, the Leafs and the Rangers, that you know pretty darn well. Austin Matthews makes his debut for the Leafs. We heard... Gerald Gallant say, well, we'd wish maybe, maybe he waited one or two before he made his return. He, he has some sort of flair for debuts, though, Weeksy. Like, I think it's nine goals in five games yeah. to start off his season. Um, is that just an innate ability? Is that, like, is there dudes that just know when to shine? Yeah, there's, there's, there's people that just know when to shine. I mean, you, you do it every day on your platform. <laughs> there's different people in our business that do it. There's different people in medical. I mean, it all walks of life. Anybody can win by doing positive things in what it is they do. And for Austin Matthews specifically, we've never seen a player like this in a Toronto Maple Leafs uniform. With all due respect to all, respect to all the greats that came before him, Boria Salming, Daryl Sittler, uh, Wendell Clark, Matt Sundin, who I had a chance to play against as well, Doug Gilmore, we've never seen a unicorn like Austin Matthews. Nobody's a scored at this clip. Uh, nobody has his gift to be able to score goals in bunches the way he can. Of course, we should have seen that coming by way of his debut, that sensational one that he had in his uh, in his debut in the league when he hit them with the Kit Kat. He had four in that game. <laughs> and I know Kit Kat well, because my dad used to work at the uh, at the Roundtree factory at Birchmont and Lawrence, so I know <laughs> Kit Kat very well. Nice. But in saying that, I, I think he's a special player, and, and the fans back home in Toronto, and really across the NHL and across the world, quite frankly, 
uh, are really in for a treat every time he gets a touch. Anytime he gets a touch, it's lethal. He's second in goals to OV since 2016-2017. I said that again. Only Alexander Ovechkin has scored more goals than Austin Matthews since 2016-2017. That tells you how great this young man is. All right, let's talk about the Rangers for a flash because I don't think they're like, you know, they're an enigma wrapped in, like, it's just we don't know what they are. One, one, and one start. What are you expecting from this Rangers team this year? I think as time goes along, and knowing Jared Gallant as well as I do, uh, he's going to want this team to be a team that plays hard, whistle to whistle in all three zones, both sides of the puck, be it offensively or defensively. You saw what he did with Florida. You saw what he did with Vegas Golden Knights. You have Artemi Panarin who's one of the best players on planet Earth as well. And they also have some other pieces. Adam Fox won the Norris Trophy. He's an outstanding young defenseman. I think for the most part, the goaltending will be really good. Just Jurkin is outstanding. And Georgiev has been a leaf killer his entire career. But what I'm looking for in terms of the improvement for them, Zibanejad's become a star here on Broadway. But Ryan Reeves coming into this lineup, Barclay Goudreau, some of the sandpaper that they've added in this group should allow for their skilled players to have some more room, some more time and space to make plays. Another game on our network tonight uh, happens to be the Calgary Flames in their home opener. Do you think Rasmus Anderson should be playing in this game? Or do you think that was a suspendable offense, the, uh, the come together with Kyler Yamamoto? I knew it was going to net some type of discipline. And you can see him grabbing him here, and then he engages him behind the net. And then the headbutt. I mean, who are you, Jimmy Superfly Snooker? <laughs> who does that? With the beaded, with the beaded uh, headband, yeah. with the shells, like who does the puka shell headband? Like who does that? You don't even do that on the playground. I never did that in Scarborough growing up playing mini sticks, mini hockey, street hockey. I've never seen that. Um, that's a low percentage move. That might work in UFC, but that can't work in hockey. So I thought it would have been suspendable, just the way the Dylan Larkin was. But there was still some type of discipline by way of, of what was levied. So, but I thought it could have been at least a game or two. That was a pretty egregious act. But the Battle of Alberta brings out everything. Somebody in this house was born in Alberta. I was raised in Scarborough, so it's not me. And uh, and and <laughs> the other side of the family, they live out in Calgary. So I'm always dialed into that Battle of Alberta. It didn't disappoint, but that's a, a needless play, a play that you can't make if you're Anderson. In. All right, you've already mentioned, uh, you've already got to the references, the Borough of Scars references, like at least three times. Yeah. So I have to ask, have to. before the break, I was telling yeah. a story about how I would repeatedly get cut by the Wexford Raiders whenever I tried out yeah. for AAA. Yeah. And yeah. I thought that you were a Wexford Raiders alum. Now, your hockey DB only goes back to the St. Michael's buzzers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Was Uncle yeah. Timmy Wright, did you ever play for the Wexford Raiders? I hate to break Uncle Timmy's heart. I have buddies that have played there. Um, my good buddy Brian Boucher, longtime NHL goalie, ironically, he played for Wexford. I'm a Toronto Red Wing man, though, through and through. Oh. And St. Mike's was our affiliate, man. Oh. St. Mike's Buzzers was, were our affiliate. I so, just figured Scarborough uh, Ice Palace, Beef Patties, yeah. that's like right up Weeksy's Lane. God, and... hold on, though. Hold on, though. Like, we live right by we live right by Commander Arena. Yeah. So mid Scarborough Commander, my parents are right by Agent Court Arena now. Yes. So believe me, Malvern is at my <laughs> hockey camp there. Um, I'm all Scarborough to the bone. It just happens now to be in a New York, New Jersey, Miami package. That's all. Uh, always appreciate catching up with you and dropping the Borough of Scars references. Thanks for doing this, man. You too, bro. Thanks for having me. Also, shout out to my parents that are tuned in and 
my buddy Tony and some of my fans back home and friends and family too. And by the way, Timmy, yeah. love the combo, bro. You're looking fresh. I love that blazer. I'm trying. When you're this ugly, you better dress well. Thank you, brother. <laughs> There's Kevin <laughs> Weeks and Thanks his family me. watching. Uh, time for a break. For those watching on Sportsnet, Leafs and Rangers coming up on Rogers' hometown hockey. Meanwhile, Tim and Friends continues on Sportsnet 360. For another 30 minutes, we'll talk NFL. Ron Tara, hometown hockey. A 53-yarder to win it. It's away, and he got it! Jacksonville wins and ends the second longest losing streak in NFL history. Freeman to the end zone. Touchdown. Third rushing touchdown today for Baltimore from three different players. Mahomes tosses it up. Touchdown, Robinson. Second down and 13. As Cousins throws, Osborne, touchdown, Vikings win! Carr looking to throw, deep shot, Rooks is down there, he's got it, Rooks at the five, and he takes it in! What a statement, opening drive by the Las Vegas Raiders! Murray, with some time, back of the end zone, wide open, DeAndre Hopkins! He was the loneliest man in Cleveland. I don't know if they were practicing social distancing. Scrambles to his right. Pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon. Quick throw, and it's intercepted. He's got another one. Diggs is going to take it to the end zone. Unbelievable. Throws it down the field. It's caught at the 10, and this game is over. C.D. Lamb. The Cowboys have won their fifth in a row. Bills, Titans, and Nashville will conclude week number six in the National Football League. But there is plenty to talk about with our Monday afternoon quarterback. I introduce uh, NFL MVP Rich Gannon back to the show. Rich, always great talking football with you. Tim, another crazy week in the NFL. I mean, I just, I can't get enough. I know. Every week we seemingly have enough storylines to fill about two hours of talk. We got about 12 minutes of talk. So let's start with the question that Jesse posed to me earlier today. He asked me who my MVP in the league would be. I went a little off the charts, I believe. Who's your MVP at least after six weeks? Well, I think it's a toss-up right now between Kyler Murray and quarterback of the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. He, he's playing lights out. They're scoring over 32 points a game. Uh, you know, he threw for four touchdowns on the road yesterday without his head coach and play caller, yeah. without his quarterback coach, without a starting center. I mean, they had a, a, an assistant wide receivers coach calling plays, and they still uh, ran out the score on Cleveland. I, I just think he's playing well. And I also would say Lamar Jackson, kind of a, uh, a modest day for him yesterday, but they absolutely destroyed the Chargers. And, I just look at what he means to that team, Tim. I mean, whether he does it with his legs, with his arm, he's become a much more accurate passer. But I think what he did on Monday night against the Colts really got my attention. He continues to make plays week in and week out. And, and defenses simply don't have an answer for him. He brings such a unique skill set to the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I went Lamar Jackson one, Kyler Murray two. And it's interesting because if you go to Vegas right now, you're still getting Lamar Jackson at five or six 
on the depth chart when it comes to odds to win NFL MVP. But I think what we're seeing here, and it's so ironic that at the start of the year, uh, people were talking about defenses figuring out Lamar Jackson. And what they're forcing him to do is try and stay in that pocket and be accurate. And he's been really accurate. If he becomes that hybrid thrower-runner, I don't know if anyone can stop him. And think about yesterday. They're starting to get some help from the veterans that they signed at the beginning of the season. Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell had touchdowns yesterday. The defense had their best performance of the season. They held Justin Herbert and the Chargers just a little over 200 yards of offense. Herbert had the worst day statistically that he's had. But if you look at completion percentage, you look at quarterback rating, you look at yards in that game. So, I mean, it's scary to think that Lamar Jackson can kind of do it on his own, but now he's starting to get some help from the running game and from the defense. Uh, The Ravens could be a tough out uh, come late December, early January. Agreed. Uh, I thought that the Cowboys really struggled with finishing yesterday in Foxborough, and it almost came back to haunt them. But is Dak Prescott being overlooked when it comes to this MVP talk? No, I think he's certainly in the conversation. I, I think when you look at yesterday, I mean, I got the sense, Tim, that they were toying with the Patriots. They had 567 yards of offense. That's the most that Bill, a Bill Belichick coach team in defense has ever given up. And they left some points on the, on the field. Think about it, they had two red zone turnovers in the first half. Dak threw for 445 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, you know, I just think that maybe the most explosive offense in football right now, when, they, when they're healthy up front, they got the two running backs going, and Dak Prescott's making big plays down the field. I mean, I know he hurt his calf. He says he's going to be okay for next week, but uh, I'll tell you what, he's, you know, it, we're splitting hairs right now. We're talking about which quarterback is playing the best. We're leaving out Josh Allen as well, but I think yeah. there's four or five quarterbacks right now, Brady being one of them as well, that are really just playing head and shoulders above everybody else right now. In the league. Well, I was going to get to Josh Allen for sure because we circled the wagons for the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans tonight. Um, what are you expecting? One from the I mean, it's been an interesting schedule for the Bills because they lose in week one to the Steelers and then they get a, a little softer schedule before a real statement game against KC. Are you happy with the Bills' progression this year after where they went last year? I really am. I think that the numbers that really get my attention, the number one scoring offense in football right now, they're scoring over 34 points a game, and they have the number one scoring defense. They're only giving up 12.8 points a game. So, I mean, you look at scoring differential, they're playing so well. Josh Allen can make plays inside the pocket, outside the pocket with his legs. He's such a a physical specimen at the quarterback position. So, I, I like how they're playing right now. Uh, they're playing with a lot of confidence. I think Tennessee will be a tough out. I mean, it's a Thursday night game. Uh, obviously, the Titans, this is a, a critical game for them. But I just don't see anyone stopping the Bills right now, uh, certainly not in the, in the AFC East. They're, they're, they're going to they're they're probably win that division, I would think, sometime in mid to late November. Yeah, it's crazy. It feels like both East, the NFC East and the AFC East, like the Cowboys are running away with the NFC East, and I don't think there's anyone there to compete with them. And I'm thinking the same. And even though it, like, I have this like reflex, like Bill Belichick is slapping me in the back <laughs> of the head, saying, "You can't say this," but it looks like the Bills could run away with this division too. I think you're right. I mean, I think Miami is probably the most disappointing team in football. They, they've lost five straight games. What happened to them yesterday in London was was disgraceful. At the end of that game, I mean, to have they were in a position to win it, and they just they just 
did some really uh, insane things defensively. So I don't think, you know, I, I think they're done. They're, this is a developmental year. It's trying to find out about two of the Jets are still in a uh, rebuilding phase. I think, I think I've been impressed with Mac Jones, uh, Tim. I, I, yeah. I, tell you, I think he's, he's shown great poise. There's something about him. He's got, he's got some of that moxie, some of the intangibles like at the quarterback position, but they, they've lost four straight games at home. I mean, they're not playing well at home. And that concerns me. I, I still think this team's a work in progress. I think they could be playing better football in the second half of the season, but it won't be enough to catch the Buffalo Bills. All right, so the Miami Dolphins are a disappointment. Uh, I was high on the Cleveland Browns going into this year. Already without Nick Chubb, it seems like they're going to lose Kareem Hunt for an extended period of time. Are, are the Browns on the ropes right now? They're in trouble. They've lost two straight. Uh, the defense didn't show up yesterday against the Cardinals. And you mentioned the injuries in the backfield. That, that's a real concern. Nick Chubb dealing with a calf injury. We saw Kareem Hunt. He, he went out. He's going to be out for a while with a calf injury. And, of course, Baker Mayfield. That's the one that's got me most concerned. You look at Mayfield. He's been dealing with a shoulder injury. He re-injured that left shoulder. He was in a sling at the postgame press conference. And they're just banged up right now. They're, they're not playing particularly well. The turnovers, there was three turnovers yesterday. There were just three of ten on third down. And Mayfield was sacked five times. So they've got some issues right now in Cleveland. For a team that started out so well, yeah. Tim, they, they've kind of they've kind of hit the skids. And don't look now, our Joe Burrow-led Bengals. I know you and I have talked about that team a couple of times through the weeks and saying that we both believed in Burrow and that this Bengals team might be better than initially anticipated or at least what our reflexes have us when we see the name Bengals. Like, this team could be the second-best team in the division. I think you're right, and I, and, I, and I was pleased by what happened yesterday. They went into Detroit, and in years past, they'd have a, a dud. You know, they may lose the game. They may just equal. They, they took care of business yesterday against Detroit. Clearly, they were the better team. And as we've talked about, Tim, for a number of weeks now, this isn't your same old Bengals. You look at Jamar Chase and how well he's playing. Oh. Joe Mixon around the ball well yesterday. And the key to it all, without question, is Joe Burrow. I mean, he, he's just brought a, brought a different chemistry, a, a different – perspective to this whole thing leadership toughness production uh they can win with joe burrow they're much more competitive i think we talk about the improvements we've seen with dallas's defense cincinnati's not that far behind cincinnati's defense a year ago was unwatchable we're seeing a, a much better defense they're keeping the scoring down but the story in cincinnati without question is the production and consistency from Joe Burrow. Yeah, and Jamar Chase, uh, those drops are well behind him from the preseason. So let's talk about the Lions because basically uh, the Bengals pitched a shutout. That defense pitched a shutout until it didn't matter anymore, and the Lions ended up with 11 on the scoreboard. And at the end of the game, Dan Campbell, who, to be fair, I feel like he's gotten his guys to play. They've had a bunch of heartbreaks. I know they're winless. They've had a bunch of heartbreaks. They've played tough. Uh, but he says Jared Goff needs to step up. Do you like hearing that from the head coach after week six? Personally, I wouldn't if it, if it's, if it involves me as the quarterback. But I think, it, I think it speaks volumes about how he feels about Jared Goff. I don't think Jared Goff is that, you know, fire and brimstone leader in the locker room that's, or the guy's going to slam his helmet down on the practice field when it's not done the way he wants it. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not Drew Brees. He just doesn't have that personality. And I think Dan Campbell wants more out of his quarterback. He wants more juice. He wants more toughness. He wants more leadership. He wants more competitiveness. And he's just not seeing it day in and day out, week in and week out. I think I think it was interesting that he called out the quarterback. I, yeah. I mean, typically we don't see coaches do that, but I just think this speaks volumes about the leadership from Dan Campbell. 
I tell you, he, he's already talked about this week. He said, hey, we're going to make some changes. We're going to make changes to the roster. We'll make changes on the practice field. And if, if Goff keeps going the way he's going and they're not winning, you could see a change of quarterback in Detroit. Have, have we, like, uh, you came into the league and you went to a small school, went to Delaware, and developed into what was an MVP quarterback. Are, have we lost all patience with quarterbacks? Like, how do we get from, you know, Jared Goff being – oh, my God, this guy's legit to, oh, my God, he can't play in the league. And he, like, I feel like there, there's more of a mindset or more of a uh, surrounding the quarterback with talent and all these things that you need to succeed than we see at this level. And I know I'm going a lot of different ways here, but I just feel like the quarterback is such an interesting position. How do you get from where you started in the league to NFL MVP? Well, I think there's some truth to that. I think as as a society, we're not not as patient, particularly as NFL fans. You know, we're, we don't want to draft a quarterback and then, you know, not see him play right away and see him play well. I think part of what gets skewed is the fact that we've got a Patrick Mahomes that gets drafted. He, he sits and watches a year behind Alex Smith, and he comes out and plays like an NFL MVP. Last year, we watched, uh, you know, uh, Justin Herbert with the Chargers, yeah. and he's the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, and he played at an elite level almost immediately. So I think we, we see that and we say, well, you know, what's wrong with Mac Jones? Why is he not throwing for 400 yards each week? You know, what's what's wrong with Zach Wilson with the Jets? Well, all those situations are very different. I, I think the situation with the Jets, that historically has been a bad football team, bad offensive line, bad running game, bad wide receivers, not good on defense. So, I mean, the situation there is going to be, I think, more of a challenge. I think you look at the situation in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence hasn't played particularly well. And I think he's a really talented guy. I think he's probably the most NFL-ready of all the quarterbacks that came out in last year's draft. However, he's going to the worst team in the league, a team that lost 15 games a year ago. They've got a new coach. They've got new players. And they're not very talented around them. So I think as fans, you need to be patient. What we want to see is we want to see steady growth. We don't want to see them making the same mistakes week in and week out. And what we're hoping for is when they make that jump from year one to year two, which is typically where we see a lot of uh, progress, we want to see him trending in the right direction. I think that's the goal for a lot of these young quarterbacks. You mentioned Herbert. I'm just thinking in my head, who, who's the next quarterback to take that next step? Like, who in your mind is really close to kind of getting into that elite level? Well, I think Trevor Lawrence has the, the, the ability to be a really great player. I just think it may take a little longer considering the circumstances and the surroundings in Jacksonville. The, the, the guy that's kind of gotten my attention uh, and he hasn't necessarily put up gaudy numbers, but there, there's a there's a certain presence about Mac Jones that I really like. Yeah, uh, he's not intimidated by Bill Belichick. Uh, I saw him raising his arms. He wasn't happy with Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, yesterday, yeah. and had a call a timeout. Uh, I think that the players on that football team respect him. He's a very accurate quarterback. He set an NCAA uh, completion percentage record a year ago at Alabama. Uh, he's got a lot of the intangibles, Tim, that you like. I don't think he's going to ever overpower you with his arm talent in terms of pushing the ball down the field. I think he is an area where he'll get better. He can get stronger. But he's never going to be a Mahomes or a Rodgers when it comes to, you know, just whipping the ball around the ballpark. That, that's not who he is. But I think he can be a very effective, efficient player. And I, I don't say this as a, in terms of disrespect, but there's nothing wrong with being a game manager. I mean, I played 17 years. I managed a lot of games, managed a lot of situations. That's really what they want out of him in New England. He's, he doesn't have to be Tom Brady. He just has to do his job. They'll build a good football team around him, but I've been really impressed so far what I've seen from Mac Jones. He certainly doesn't look 
or act like a rookie. No, not at all. He's got that precision passing where you look at a window and he's being like that to me separates quarterbacks from guys who played quarterback in university. That precision passing and being able to fit it in there. And he does that so well. Uh, you are always uh, able to do this with us, even if I can't get to a question about how we groom NFL quarterbacks. I appreciate you, my friend. <laughs> You're the best. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> uh, be well. There is uh, Rich Gannon, former NFL MVP. There was just so – I didn't know if I should focus in on golf. I didn't know if I should focus in on – No, I think I it just, all came full circle. Yeah, I um, wanted to talk about him and his growth. And he, it just, he brought the heat today. But I, I did notice for the first time. I don't know if he's had this uh, in the past. But he has a painting of himself behind him. So my question to you is – would you ever do a show? I know you did it from your basement, whatever. Mm-hmm. Would you ever do a show with a painting of yourself behind you, or do you have to be an NFL MVP to do that? I was that? just going to say, yeah. I think, I think you have to be an NFL MVP to do that. Pretty cool, though. Yeah, <laughs> it is pretty He's cool. doing all his hits. I wonder him. who painted the painting. Yeah. I we'll was ask him that next, next time. time. There you go. Right, time for one Saved last break. question. Jesse Rubinoff kicking off last call early. He will take the reins next right here on Tim and Friends. Tip of the cap goes to Team Spirit, an esports video game team who were crowned champions of Dota 2's The International 2021. With the win, the five person team took home a cash prize of, wait for it, Jesse, $18.2 million, I repeat, for a video game. The runners up getting a measly $5.2 million. The total prize pool? $40 million, the largest in esports history, and it's probably going to grow. This year's international tournament was broadcast live, free of charge, with play by play across multiple languages. And I guess, uh, Jesse, it does pay to play video games. You're sitting there, you're frustrated, and you are concerned. You've got the eyebrow raised. We went into the wrong industry, what could I say? <laughs> I had the quickest thumbs in the West. Back in the day, I could play some video games. Maybe not like first-person shooters, but like that? NH. Why is that bad? No, no, no. Keep going. Never mind. Whatever. I always look at Sebi for confirmation <laughs> that I said something yeah. bad. Uh, no, they, they, look. This is legit now. If, if they're, that's what they're paying people to play, and they're the best in the world. Everybody plays video games in some respect right now. So to be the best at something of this magnitude means something. The amount of time you need to put in to be at that level is like diaper wearing time. Okay. Like, remember the guy? Urinate yourself kind of time. Remember the guy who uh, dislocated his shoulder when he was celebrating, right? And then I brought up the the question, or I said, he's an athlete. And then you kind of gave me the eyebrow, like, is he an athlete? So. Is that team a team of athletes that we just saw win the Dota and win 18 million? If they're training like you say they're no, training, which read, I know that they read are. Read the definition of athlete. Come on. Let's not play this game. This could be the easiest argument in the is he or is he not or is she or is she not an athlete. This could be the easiest one. Did you Google yeah. athlete? I tried to A person who is proficient in sports and other forms of physical exercise. Physical exercise. Yeah, but if you're sitting there... For hours on end, I mean, I've, they sweat when they train. Like, the, it is high-intensity stuff. No, oh, they put a lot of time in. I said that. I, I said know. they put ridiculous amounts of time in. It's not, like, I don't get, an athlete is a physical endeavor. I don't know why we do this. I don't even know if golfers are athletes. And they are now. Oh, my goodness. They are now. They are now. They used to be, like, back in the day, they weren't athletes. 
They are now. You all right? Ben Hogan was, and, and take was it an easy. athlete. Oh, yeah. And so is John Daly. Yeah. John Daly was an athlete. Uh -huh. Hand-eye coordination. Exquisite. Uh-huh. He had some fun, too, didn't he? Yeah, he had some fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is a this is an interesting conversation. Yeah. We might need a third uh, opinion here. Uh, I'm not going to go to Sebi, but we can go to someone else when they, they come in here and discuss video games, unless you want to weigh in here. No, doesn't want to weigh in. No. I just, uh, just, no, break the tie. Athlete or non-athlete? No, oh. he hasn't. Okay, I lose. I put, lose. It, put it on a poll if you want. That's fine. I are, lose. Are e they're esports athletes, right? Like, that's what they call them? Sure. I didn't know that, but that helps my argument. <laughs> so, okay, so we'll look up how we'll look up the, the, the term they use to describe esports players. It might just right. be esports players. We'll send out a poll and we'll ask the people, the masses, and see what they say. Right. I have a feeling the majority is going to say athletes. I have a sneaking suspicion. But we'll see. They chew you up and spit you out, too. Those teams, like, they turn yes. over like this. It's unbelievable. Yes. You better win, because otherwise you're not making any money. Yes. We're not going to make as much money as they made when the Bills covered five and a half tonight, though. I'll tell you that. Oh, hey. Uh, okay. Let's uh, go to football, right. shall we? The Green Bay Packers beat their rivals, the Bears, in Chicago yesterday, 24-14. It was thanks in large part to Aaron Rodgers, who threw for two touchdowns and rushed for one. It was Rodgers' 22nd win over the Bears. <laughs> His 22-5 record against them is the third best winning percentage by a quarterback against a single opponent since 1950. That's uh, 815 winning percentage, by the way. And microphones caught Rodgers letting Bears fans know what he thinks of them after this touchdown run. I still own you is what he said. I still right. own you. That's exactly what he said. I still own you. Uh, so after the game, Roger said, sometimes you black out on the field in a good way. All I saw was a woman in the front row giving me the double bird. Not sure what came out of my mouth next. So, Tim, the question is, how would you react if someone gave you the double bird? I would laugh. The, the double bird is the classic trash move. Is it not like... Who actually gives the double bird besides owners of the Tennessee Titans? I would say one can be like an anger. If you're angry, like someone cuts you off or whatever, you, know, you can do it. But two is like, that takes it to the next level. No, it doesn't. It makes it funny. <laughs> Anyone who gives you double birds, like I would, if you gave me the double bird, I'm going to tell you right now. If, if I happen to cut you off, though, I don't think I do that very often. And you gave me yeah. double birds, I would laugh because I would think I it was hilarious. I can't do that. Well, off air, I can. Maybe. Yeah. Anyone who gives me double birds is going to get laughed. Uh, okay, one, one more. Uh, there's not too much context to this next video. All I can tell you, though, is that uh, it's courtesy of our friend Alex Xero of City News. Alex saying this is Where the worst that? strike call in the history of planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I personally have seen worse called in uh, Blue Jay series down the stretch. There were a couple there in Tropicana that were worse. But. As a as a baseball dad, <laughs> sometimes you need a couple of strikes called just to move the game along. All right. So I think he's just helping. There's out, a there's a wider out the pitcher. Yeah, there. there might be a kid out there that had walked eight in a row, but right. even then, no. that is really good context. I didn't actually think about that. That's a that's a very good point, and makes it much more understandable and kind of funny. Any any baseball parent knows every once in a while that arm goes out, and you so know. You've seen something like that. Maybe not that bad. Yeah, maybe not that bad. All right, uh, hometown hockey's on Sportsnet Game Three ALCS. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Have a great night.